Uh, we were going to the service this afternoon, the Bible study, uh, coming from chapter 49, starting at about the seventh verse. Um, and with a title that we are to help set the captives free. We are to help set, set the captives free. Taking it in the settings as, we, as we've read, you need to go back and read that chapter. But he's talking to the isles, to the Gentiles, if you would look at that first verse. And he's talking to the people, not only Israel, but the whole world of the whole nation. But it's a servant song. In other words, it's a type of Christ that was Christ the Messiah is a light to the Gentiles a light that's given to set them free, to set them at liberty. The Israel party, when it says restored to preserve, to Israel, restoration to the land was a type of redemption. Year to year, jubilee and restoring someone because in the eyes of captivity, going back home would be uh, a redemption for them, a restoration. Whereas in the Gentile eyes, and we're looking at it in the spiritual, in the New Testament sense, the Messiah comes, and as we lights to the world, we're setting the people free from bondage to the world. As I told you, the book Martin Luther, you need to read that book, The Bondage of the Will, that you don't have free will. That That's something that religion or something thought of was free will. You're in either bondage to the devil, you're born, that's the world you're shaping and shaping in and born into. That's the matrix that shapes you. That's how we come into the world. But we see redemption promised through to the woman through Christ Jesus, the redeemer who brings light into the world. That light is what set the captives free. It sets you free from the bondage that this life, this world has on you. That's why it says, come out of Babylon, meaning come out of the world, just like the Israelites came out of Egypt. It's a release. It's a liberating of the captives. It's setting you free. Liberation from bondage. There's all types of bondage, and Christ wasn't necessarily setting the people free as he did the Egyptians from Egyptian slavery. The bondage is to, is to Satan. Satan has us bound. The things of the world has us bound. There, there's many different ways that you can be bound. And we know that the word of God is not bound in that Jesus Christ came to liberate us, to set us free. One of them was spiritual bondage. So to be spiritually Lucian, Paul was talking in the book of Philemon to about Epaphroditus who had ran away. He had ran away from his master. And Paul was talking to Philemon about receiving Epaphras back because he was a slave. There was during Roman slavery. Jesus Christ didn't deal with slavery. We see during the Jewish times that there was slavery. There was slavery that God talked about dealing. A person could sell themselves into slavery. They become impoverished and couldn't do anything. That's what the seventh, the 50th year of Jubilee was for, the setting one free. You're to restore their land and restore the things that they had had. had. That was restoration. 
but mankind was dealing with that in a corrupt way. To us Gentiles, we have to see the bondage that we're in. You're in bondage to the world, and you're bound many type ways. You can be bound. Uh, it, it calls it marriage when they say, if you seek, if you loose, seek not to be bound. If you're bound, seek not to be loose. Not that it's a horrible thing, but to some people, marriage may not be the ideal situation. That's why Paul, he dealt with it. Jesus didn't deal with that, but Paul has a section in Corinthians about giving your daughter to be wed or whatever. That wasn't any harm in that. The Catholic Church teaches about celibacy. Paul was talking about from from the perspective, he says it's better to be single. It's better. And a lot of people say that they can serve God, the nuns or the other people. So, it's different types of bondage in the world. That's why you could be in financial bondage. Yes. A lot of people are bound by long-term contracts. You get out of one contract, you're in another one, and, and you know you go back. You get a car note. You got four or five hundred dollar month insurance on it. Your car note six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars, twelve, whatever the car note is. Well, you're bound if you got a thirty-year mortgage on your. That's a bondage. So it's not evil bondage, Mm -hmm. but we see sometimes that you can be bound to something that you need need to be loose from. And there are different things in life that bounds us. So you, God comes in and gives you freedom to choose. Well, if you are not in Christ Jesus, you don't have a freedom to choose. When he told Israel they had a choice, choose life, he set before them life and death. Nobody else had that choice during that time because God hadn't chosen any of them. But at this time and thing, God chooses people. He chooses the elect. Okay, so we have we purify our life by the choices and the decisions we make because there are consequences from it. But the people that are still in darkness, the Gentile world, those are the prisoners that we go back and preach to. When he said that he went and preached to the spirits in darkness, don't go with that religious uh, ideology about Jesus went to hell or Paul and they went to hell and preached to the people in hell. and brought. No, when it says he went and preached to the spirits that was in prison. Those are the people that are in darkness. Darkness is considered prison that you are bound. And that's what we do. We go and preach to those that are in darkness. That, that's why I say do the work of evangelists that hadn't heard the word of God before. That needs the word of God uh, uh, need, or wants to join a church to where there's light at. Because in churches, they can become a cult. Most churches are cults. Whereas a church that's not a cult is one that is an occult. In other words, they uncover. They uncover the darkness. They uncover the things that has you shackled. Some people are bound by the pastor or bound by the singing thing in the church. That's what they follow. That's what holds them there. If something happened with the preacher, they all lost. But we tried to... Bring you, are you are brought, brought, brought into, brought into bondage to Christ Jesus. You're his, you're his servant. Yes. You yes. call Paul calls himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, you are slave to righteousness for righteousness' sake. Yes. 
that you no longer serve unrighteousness because you are a slave or you're in bondage to who you yield your members to, to serve. So you don't have to serve the devil if Jesus Christ sets you free and liberates you. It's a choice that you make to do wrong or evil. So let's read those verses that we go kind of elaborate on. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him who whom man despises it to rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time I have heard thee, in a day of salvation I have helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, the places like, let's just say desert places, or places that's the earth suburban or the urban areas where the gospel or the word of God is not. Abraham went into an area in that he thought God wasn't there. The people knew not God. So he told Sarah to say that he, she was his sister because those people didn't know God. They would might kill them. But God was there. God was there because God talked to Abimelech. God talked to Pharaoh and told him, say, well, that's not his sister. That's his wife. For the places we think God is not, if we're that light there, God causes that light to shine and bring lights to others. Notice that Abraham's lying caused a curse to perform Abimelech and his people that the women wasn't producing and the place was cursed in there. We should be a blessing to the people. We should be a light. We should bring light. That thou mayest say it to the prisoners, go forth. What prisoners? Those in darkness. Those that don't know the word of God. They in bondage to other people. Go forth to them that are in darkness. Show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways and their pastures shall be in all high places. In other words, their feeding places would be out throughout the land in churches and in places where the word of God is taught, they would eat from it. And that's why we have a missionary endeavor. We have sermon audio. I was telling my sister and um, Sister Harris' daughter about it. Uh, they was considering joining churches of going to ch- two different aspects of it there with, uh, with the church learning by the way and all pathways. I could supply notes and outlines for different people, members that didn't come or can't access church, but they would need to hear the preaching because hearing the word of God is develops faith. Faith coming by hearing, hearing the word of God. And you can't hear unless you hear a preacher preach the word of God. So it's necessary to attend, but if you can't attend, it'd be like during the pandemic or whatever. You should hear your church's services each week or whatever. God opens the faith. He opens the understanding of that word preached. But you need to hear a preacher. You have a preacher to hear it. So just her receiving the notes is like uh, being in a monastery or whatever. Just studying the word of God, not belonging to a church, and having a mental ascent on knowing the word of God it's not the same as belonging to a church, 
being a part of the church, hearing the word preached, because that's what activates it, acts as a catalyst, the hearing of that word. Now, yeah, it would work different in a deaf person, someone that can't hear, whatever, but that's here now. But hearing along the way, all of these people coming along the way, and as we continue to read, you see where the the congregation, the members in the churches look up and say, well, who are all these? Who are all, how is this church expanding? Because the kingdom of God could begin to grow. Or it's growing because the servants of God is being a light. As that word go out, governments will fall. They will topple just like this nation will fall. Just like all of the nations of the world will fall because it's Satan's world. It brings darkness. But the preaching of the word brings light. That's the suddenness. That's the light that's coming into the world that lighted all men as we preached yesterday. Jesus Christ is that light that lighted all men. So as that gospel is preached, as we go out on sermon audio into all places in the world, as people hear that universal message, they'll know which ones is the true word of God. It's the pre- true preachers and the true teaching, and that would, that's what builds them up. Not that particular ministry. It's like Paul said, Apollos planted, he watered, God give it the increase. So if you effectively hearing and doing the word of God, it says, they shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat uh, nor sun smite them. For he that had mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains a way and my highways shall be exalted. In other words, the people are going to be growing and that word's going to be planted and grown without of those that are effectively carrying it because some members won't be doing that. They'll be part of the crowd, but they never preach to anybody. I mean, they never witness to anybody. They're not praying for the church. They're not doing anything. So he has to purge and cleanse the church, but the church is going to be growing because it's about those that's effectual, the word of God being a doer of that word of God. The growth will be exponential. It says, Behold, these shall come from far and low, from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Shinnom. That's China. That's Sinian. You had I know you hadn't heard of those, but that's China has one of the largest missionary fields it is today. There's more of the word of God coming out of China. But those that's in this nation They've heard the word of God, but they're bringing more darkness on themselves because they're bringing things into Christianity or religion for people with itching ears, and they're getting further away from the truth. But God's people are scattered throughout all nations. So there's a many a Christian in this nation, just like in any other nation, and there's no particular nation anymore that of God because it's God that's doing the work through the people that's active. That's why I say we'll have a lot of word of faith people, a Catholic people, a Methodist people, a different people, because he's calling his people out of the darkness, out of the places that they wasn't being fed. A lot of people have sit in churches years and years and hadn't heard the true word of God. That had They have to come out of those churches, but God also still continually 
feeds the false churches that's gathering the tares to be burned. The mega churches, those that's not preaching the truth, those that's as God destroyed a lot of his people that were rebellious. Those that are of the Antichrist. That's why religion is the way it is because God's accomplishing his work that he had started to do. Nothing hinders the word of God. It's just that you need to be, make sure you're in the right place, you hearing the right words. It's up to you. That's something that you can't sit back and in blaming on somebody else or blaming on this person. Listen at this. He says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. The afflicted, the sick, the merciful, those that are in poverty, those that have been oppressed. He says, but John said, the Lord had forsaken me, and my Lord had forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, that may happen. Yes, they may forget. Yet will I not, not forget thee, not God. I won't forget. Your mother may forget you, but I wouldn't forget you. Behold, I have graven the, thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made the waste shall go forth of thee. In other words, the evildoers, the one that's harming you, the one that's sown, that evil seed that was planted, the wheat and tares that grow up among you. That's why I say, you have to find a way to comfort your relatives and other people, but there's going to be a lot more dying and suffering than it is. So don't hang your head. You need to find a way to come in and not let your testimony be in the way. You know, I, I was hoping nothing immediately was going on, but those things are going to happen, and it's happening all the more. Oh, yeah. So you need to strengthen yourself more spiritually than what you had a while. You have to look and see the silver lining here. You need to find out what to say. You, you remember I said, I don't know what to say to you right now. Let me take your time and say this right. Because you can't let, if somebody else's battery is low, don't let their battery dry your battery down. Used to be the booster cables. He says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste. Thy destroyers and they that made the way shall go forth. Lift up thine eyes round about and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to thee. They're coming to you. Why are these people coming to you? Why are your relatives? Why are the people that know? They're coming for light. But instead of you light, you know, you, you call, you go to see the doctor and you got your head is bust open. You're bleeding or something. Oh, you say, oh, doctor, I'm feeling bad. And then you, he get that and the doctor go to cry. Oh, yeah, man, this is horrible. This is... No, you want somebody to calm the ship. You go on and say, well, look, we can work on this. Just calm down, you know, and handle it. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to come apart. Somebody has to hold the ship steady. So during this time, we have to be a rock doing this calamitous time that's coming up on the earth. We have to be able to show them the path out of darkness. Mm-hmm. Just as I was, couldn't tell of Ian, well, time heals all wounds or whatever. But her daughter's been texting and asking certain things because 
God has to direct these people. God has to. I didn't say, well, look, here's the church. You know your mama when you want you to come over here or whatever. No. They'll know where the light was. They'll know whether their parents. That's why I say we should be praying for our children because it says your daughters, your children shall come afar. They shall make haste. It says, uh, as I live, said the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all. In other words, they're going to be put upon you. The churches will grow. And we know that's coming. We hadn't labored in vain. As with an ornament and bind them on thee as a bride do it. For thine waste and desolate places and the land of thine structure shall even now be too narrow by the reason of its inhabitants that they swallowed thee up shall be far away. The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the others shall say again in thine ears, the place is too straight for me. Give us place that I may dwell. Job lost ten children, seven sons and three daughters. But didn't he give them more? And he gave Job double with the head. So they had to work twice as hard as those first seven children. Now, we don't know why God moved them. And that's what I say. There's going to be a lot of death. He's going to say, well, my children was dead. Didn't he say he would give you sons and daughters? Didn't he say he would give you mothers and more things in this life? See, so these things, that's, that's God taking care of those things. So I can't be responsible for death and what God is doing. All I can do is work within that situation and try to make it better, to be a light in that situation. Yes. He says, The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other shall say again thine ear, in thine ears, The place is too straight for me. Give us place for us to dwell. Then shall thou say in thine heart, Who had begotten me these, seeing I have lost my children and am desolate and a captive and removing to and foe? And who had brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These were had they been. Where these been? I, I was alone. I, didn't, I lost all of my children. But God seen you crying. God seen the life you live. God is giving you. He's pouring out that which he said. And these are your spiritual children. These are the ones that God had blessed you to be, as Joseph says, Manasseh and Ephraim. God had helped me to forget. He laid behind all that's in the past. Those that's in the grave, that's which is gone. God has wiped away all of that hurt. The memories may be there, but the hurt is gone. God had caused that, and now there's so much work, there's so much business to business to achieve. Thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, God, behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried up on their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with with their faces toward the earth, and lick up the dust to the, of thine feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or in the lawful? So we see here where God's people are growing, God's making a restoration, and he says, I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken 
with their own blood as with sweet wine and all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer. So here God is freeing his people. He had freedom from the law because the law brings you in bondage. But in liberty in Christ Jesus, you have established the law and that same law condemns others. That's why I say it's Moses that you're going to be worried about. So are you keeping the law? Are you a law keeper? See, because that's why I say I looked at the political scene and a lot of religious people nowadays that talk about the law and different things. Okay, now that Roe versus Wade, they've repealed that as a nation. What's the dogma you could use now? What's the cludgeon blow you could use now since that's how you use religion? That's what you united together with those people who you're warring with now. It wasn't with Christ Jesus. It wasn't through grace. You also have to be free from Sabbath breaking because breaking the Sabbath is the reason Israel went into captivity. The 70-year captivity was from breaking the Sabbath and they had to pay for each of those years that they broke the Sabbath. See, and that's why I tell people you need to go to church. You need to worship God. You need to line up with his law, with his word. The Sabbath is spoken of as a thing that's established in the land because that's what the fourth commandment was about. Remembering the Sabbath. God is creator. That Sabbath implies much more than just God being a creator, but that's identification between us and God. It's a sign of the creator. And you've juxtaposed that. You wanted to change those things. So he frees us from bondage to sin, from slavery to Satan, from unrighteousness. Now, captivity, just before Israel and Judah fell to the Syrians and the Babylonians, God called several prophets to warn his people and to urge them to repent. And just like John the Baptist came preaching before Jesus came, repent for the kingdom is at hand. What nowadays, that's what we are, the light that we're bringing is that Christ is in hand and that they should repent and turn to God. We should be witnessing the gospel. And and those people that seem as though no way out or whatever, you pray to God. That's why I say prayer is a major component because you want to ask God to teach you how to talk to people, how you to witness to others. Because listen at this, it says the... First verse, that second verse says, And he had made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand had he hid me and made me a polished shelf. In his quiver had he hid me. So as we learn the word of God, we should speak the word, speak those things which become sound doctrine. Ask God to give you the words to say. See, we should be able to talk to people. That's the problem, and that's why I say the power of life and death is in a word. It's in the Psalms. It's in all the saying that you are to encourage others and comfort others with the comfort wherewith you were comforted. How were you comforted? Through the word of God. He sharpens it as you keep talking and you learn to say better things. You learn to place it better. By exercise of use. That's how the word of God comes through. By continually preaching and talking. I kind of go back and I, 
I wanted to ask my wife. She never did tell me about it. And when it's at Sister Harris's funeral, when I came to the forefront, she said, well, I see where you shame sometimes a kind of bashful on thing. But she never did elaborate on why she came to that conclusion because when other people offer a critique or say something, I learn it helps me to learn and I can do better because I can see where I do it. But if people can't learn from what somebody else say, well, they're not taking the light because sometimes God sends a light into your life as criticism. I learned that from Charles Stanley. If you, we don't learn to take criticism and build from that, see, because sometimes when your enemy say something to you or somebody critique you or tell you something, they're not trying to hurt you or harm you. But if you take that criticism, you can learn from it and be stronger. You faithful of the wounds of a friend. So if you telling somebody something or sometimes a lot of people, that's why they can't take preaching. And then I was, I tell all the people that join the church, well, sometimes the preacher will say things to hurt your feelings. And just because you're listening from home already, don't just cut him off or tune him off. You know, most people don't take criticism of preaching and they go find someone else. They have itching ears. They want to hear what pleases them. They're not going to sit there, oh, you hurt my feelings, and they get resentful or whatever. And I say, but what they said wasn't right. Mm. It hurt. That's why it hurt, because it's a hard saying you say, and they stop following Jesus because he says, you have to eat of my blood and drink of my, drink of my blood and eat of my body. They didn't understand it, but it hurt them. They never walked that way again. Sometimes the preacher has to say hard things. Sometimes the word of God is used as a rod or a sword. It'll cut you. That's what Simeon says. That child is going to be for the breaking, the piercing of the hearts of many. In recording the events in their time, these prophets paid particular attention to prevailing attitudes within their societies. No doubt inspired by God for the benefit of his church. So as these people preached in prophesize of the downfall of Israel and warn them what's going on. That's the same thing the preachers should be picking up now. I pick it up with my children and with my relatives and my spouse. And you pick it up with everyone around you. Everything is a sounding board. That's why it says be careful with what you say and a lot of different talking because God may be bringing that back and making you say something on that because by faith, what God's telling you to say, you start becoming and start saying that. He's loosening you, and he's using you to shine light where there's darkness. But if you're afraid, you'll never gain that boldness. Peter, it says that Peter waxed bold, and he says, man ought to fear God rather than man. So I, I need to know why am I ashamed of Fred? Because that's one thing I've dealt with all my life. I've never wanted to be in the forefront. I've never wanted to be seen. I've always wanted to be hid in Christ. But I ask God not to give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of sound mind. So crank me up that I can tune these people out because I'm not worried about that. I'm wanting to please God. That's the path. That's the light we need to show to the Father. If we compare their societies and attitudes with our own, we can gain insight into the problems we face in the collapse of this nation. 
It's arrogant. It's hubris. Everybody is self-centered. They're self, self-pleasure. They want pleasure in life. They want leisure in life. They're Laodicean Christians. They're naked and have need of, of, of everything, but they think they have need of nothing. What was the dominant attitude of the people in Israel and Judah just before the fall? In virtually every book of these prophets, if we would read Amos, Isaiah, uh, Jonah. Jonah did the same thing in the book of Jonah. If He didn't want the Assyrians to hear the word of God. He revolted against God to go preach to them. See, it's certain people we think shouldn't hear the word of God. And he was mad because God didn't destroy them. Warnings against attitude, against self-sufficiency. And I always tell somebody, tell somebody you need help. The nation preaches, pull yourself up by your own bootstrap and never ask it somebody. You want to be independent. God didn't build us independent people. Spiritual indifference. There's so much spiritual indifference and complacency when it comes to Christian people. And as I told you, self-satisfaction in this Laodicean age. And uh, I need to come back to something I would spoken earlier about the penalty for Sabbath breaking was going into captivity, but it was because of idolatry also. Idolatry and Sabbath breaking brings captivity. That's one thing that's bringing this nation into captivity. That is, not observing God's day, Sabbath day. A lot of people don't go to church. Now, I'm not saying the Sabbath as such, but what I'm saying is the nation is becoming less religious. Uh, Can I say more religion and less godly, the reverence of God, that they idolize man and they worship man, YouTube and social media and all of these other Facebook or whatever, have come in sports and musicians. It's a land of idolatry. That's what we have in Babylon today. And that's what we're preaching and teaching. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel. What was this? Ezekiel? Ezekiel, the second chapter in the third verse. He says, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that had rebelled against me, They and their fathers have transgressed against me even to this very day. The book of Ezekiel addressed this of Israel and Judah. But Israel had already went into captivity. But in the context of the book as a whole, it is primarily addressed to Israel, which was already in captivity. You go back and read Ezekiel and you see God transporting him in vision back to Babylon. Because they had went into Judah had been carried into captivity, and Assyria had already carried Israel off. But God's word as a warning, you see, well, look, this must be directed to us. And we see in the New Testament where it says the Old Testament was written for our admonition. In other words, we should go back and look that. John Hagin was somewhere the other day, and he's big on this Jewish and with Israel or whatever. They have idolized Israel and not realizing that the Gentiles would be a much greater witness for God 
greater light. That's why Jesus, the, it, the Jews got mad at him on several occasions because among the Roman centurion and the rest of them, he says, I have not seen such greater faith in all of Israel. He was showing that this wasn't a biased thing and Israel rejected him. They rejected the Messiah. They destroyed him. Israel and Judah went into captivity at separate times. Judah went into captivity about 120 years after Israel did. You remember we were talking about Isaiah was the prophet that was talking about Israel going into captivity. That's where we're at now. But after this chapter, they're going to stop talking about Babylon and a lot of other things, and we're going to have to retreat from what we're doing here. Having the message in Ezekiel was written while the cause of their captivity was continuing in Judah. That's why I used the analogy of Sodom and Gomorrah or whatever, because Judah had seen what happened in Israel when they, Jeroboam, changed the Sabbath. He changed the religion. The priests migrated to the south. But because of idolatry, and you hear a lot of things in the Old Testament refer to the sins of Jeroboam. Jeroboam led them into mass idolatry. And Assyria took them into captivity, and they became the lost tribes of Israel. Those that northern tribe was the lost tribes of Israel. Ezekiel twenty exposes what caused them to go into captivity. It was idolatry and Sabbath breaking. What caused Israel and Judah to go into captivity at separate times? We see in the book of Ezekiel through the prophet that past history events occurring even as Ezekiel wrote and what is prophesied to happen things that are being fulfilled this day that Ezekiel was speaking of those they had happened they was happening and they will happen the same as we saying now this nation have offended God they are offending God. They'll continue to offend God. That's why we must come out of the world, come out, because it will only be destroyed. That's why when he says Babylon has fallen of fallen, in the book of Revelation, he says, come out of her unless you want to participate or take part in her plagues. And that's what I say. There's going to be much more death and destruction in this coming time. We have to have settled minds and a frame of mind that we have to preach and teach the gospel ever more and shine our light just that much more to be effective and fruitful servants of God. Because if we're not bringing forth fruit, every tree that doesn't bring forth fruit will be shown down at the root of the tree. So not only will bad trees be hewn down, he says every tree that don't bring forth fruit, because if we're productive in why God had called us, if we're working in that purpose, fruit will come. The fruit will come. Whether it be fruit of people joining the church because of our prayers, whether it be through our giving, our witnessing to somebody, whatever action it be. I don't want to rehash yesterday's sermon over 
but he had placed you in the church, he had placed you in the body of the Christ for a purpose. Each joint fitly framed together. But it's not for yourself. It's not for self-satisfaction. Nothing is done for self in the church of God. It is to fulfill his purpose and his plan. Uh, Ezekiel 20th, uh, 10 through 14 verse, it says, But I didn't do it for I act, but I didn't do it for them. He says, I acted to protect the honor of my name, lest the Egyptians laugh at Israel's God who couldn't keep them from harm. So I brought my people out of Egypt right before the Egyptians' eyes. This is the living version. It's going to read much different in the King James, but it's a little bit more in the King James, in the living year. It says, So I brought the people out of Egypt right before the Egyptians' eyes and led them into the wilderness. There I gave them my laws so that they could live by keeping them. If anyone keeps them, he will live. And I gave them the Sabbath, a day of rest every seventh day, as a symbol between them and me to remind them that it is I, the Lord, who sanctifies them and that they are truly my people. That Sabbath was important. That seven-day Sabbath was a sign of rest. Today, we're not... We're polluting the Sabbath. Now, it's different from polluting the Sabbath and not keeping the Sabbath. It's different when you profane it. In other words, you keep it, but you do things you shouldn't be doing. And God says he gave them his laws, which if you live by them, if you live within them, it gives life. Now, this was Old Testament lingo. This is the Old Testament. Because you can say, well, Pastor, I thought you said about the law, and we're not under the law. Right. You're under grace and truth. You're under grace and truth. So if Jesus Christ is coming to your heart by preaching and teaching and by faith that is preached, the hearing of that word, it liberates you to Jesus Christ, which he's writing his laws upon your heart. You're in a new covenant. You're in a much better covenant. This is a greater covenant. It's a better covenant because the law was weak through the flesh. The law couldn't do this. He writes his laws upon your heart. That's why you should meditate in them day and night. That's why you should continually consuming the word of God. That's why when you pray for your daily bread, you may be praying amiss because if you ask the Lord to give us this day our daily bread, but your Bible sits there day in and day out, and you don't read it every day. Why are you asking for something that you're not using? He's not going to cause you to prosper. He's not going to cause you to be fruitful because you're not doing the work. And, and did I cover that yesterday about your labor being in vain? Yes. And I was telling, I told you, I told her, it's not just about reading. I can give her the paperwork and I can do all these things. But unless you're hearing, because hearing has a different effect than reading does. You can know something by mental assent, but hearing, that's why he says, he give you ears to hear and eyes to see. In other words, he's working in you different ways, which all of them are important. So to know God's laws 
it gives you a consciousness or awareness. It enlightens you and you can give that light to somebody else. Because why? He had given you His Spirit. That Spirit that's in you that seeks to do wrong whatever that conscience says, this is not right. And the more you sharpen it by using it that much more, it gets stronger and stronger. You can see clearly you become stronger and stronger. You start bearing down much more and more. He said, but Israel rebelled against me there in the wilderness. They refused my laws. They would not obey my rules. Even though obeying them means life and they misused my Sabbaths, then I thought, I will pour out my fury upon them and utterly consume them in the desert. But again, I refrain in order to protect the honor of my name. God does things for his name's sake. So just because you're doing something and get it away with it, don't think God is not waiting for a time that he's really going to lower the boomer. You will pay for the consequences of your sin. He told Moses, go your way. I'll take care of those that sin against me. I'll take care of it in the proper time. Because of all of those who came out of Egypt, there were only two of war age that proceeded into the promised land. The rest of them, carcasses dropped in the wilderness. And he tells about that in the book of Hebrews. And he tells us, every sin and transgression or receive is just recompense of reward. So God does things for the protection of his land of his name and but again I refrain in order to protect the honor of my name lest the nations who saw me bring them out of Egypt would say that it was because I couldn't care for them that I destroyed them Sabbath breaking is shown to be idolatry because the Israelites was either using it in idolatrous devotion to a false god or not keeping it at all and that's what I say those are two different things, the idolatrous ways that we use God's day of worship or God's Sabbath day, which is a sanctifying day. If we kept the Sabbath the way God gave it, it would sanctify us. It would set us apart from different people. The Sabbath was given so that Israel would know the true God so that they could fulfill their purpose, which was to witness for God before the world learn more of his purpose and work to build character so that God could inherit so that they could inherit God's kingdom if you kept being mindful of God. The word uses a the world uses a word today that even the Christians don't understand. They're saying a woke society. They call them woke now. My God if the Christians would be awoken. If the Christians would be quick and are made alive made to see. The world is doing things that the church is not even coming alive in. They're seeing they're woke now. They're realizing in this. Is the church awoke? Are they quickened or being made alive? Uh, people say of having a revival. God accomplished his goal of bringing in, them into the promised land only to uphold his reputation of his name. Well, what was the result of the overall thing. Israel died in the wilderness. Hebrews three sixteen through Hebrews three sixteen through four and two, if you read that. 
the descend their descendants fell in the same manner, so God cut them off and sent them into captivity. Same as your parents died in the wilderness, Israel, those that came in the promised land, were lost and went into captivity, and Israel was scattered, and, and the ones in Judah was carried in captivity to Babylon. Israel's history reveals that God, the Creator, is the source of the Sabbath, and God's children have the responsibilities to honor Him by keeping the Sabbath, which sets up a wall of distinction. When you start harping on that, and people say, oh, you believe in the Sabbath. Yeah, I do. But let me tell you about the Sabbath and the difference in Sabbath they keep it. Uh, let's see. Uh, they rejected God's Sabbath for another day entirely. Okay. Uh, here, I, I know I put this here, a distinction. Now, I told you there was a difference. There are three possibilities regarding Israel's Sabbath breaking. Are you listening? There are three possibilities here. They rejected God's Sabbath for another day entirely. That's what Jeroboam did. You remember, he changed the Sabbath. Well, that's what we have done. We've changed it. The Catholics, say, during the time of St. Augustine, changed God's Sabbath to Sunday. That was to change. We don't see a biblical day of change or God say that he was changing it. They are they have a ph- philosophical reason for why they say Sunday is the, the day of worship and the first day of the week. But within that they get the resurrection wrong. They change the day of the resurrection. So the first reason is they change it for another day entirely. And the second is they polluted what they did have of God's true Sabbath by careless, self-centered observance. And wasn't that his argument in the book of Isaiah? The reason he was destroying me says because, oh wait, I don't want to, I'm not going to take part in your Sabbaths, in your offerings, or your prayers anymore. You bring before me the wrong thing, you don't offer. Honor my Sabbath in the right ways. The same as Paul was upset with the Corinthians at the love feast. He says, some of you are drunken. You're eating before the others get here. And that they wasn't observing it in the right way. That's the way we're doing church today. It's the same thing. You're bringing homosexuality in the churches. You're allowing same-sex marriage in the churches. You're not you. The musicians have taken over from the sermons. There's no repentance or turning away. They're not teaching the commandments of honoring their parents of the elderly. The oppressed, the poor. Nothing is the way they've changed the worship of God's day. Most likely, it was a combination of both: a rejection of it and a careless treating of it. Uh. Freedom from bondage. Let, let me do this one, and this could be the last one I'm able to do. This is in this introduction, and I'll pick up from here Wednesday night. But we're in captivity and bondage, and we should brought, use the gospel to bring this to life. And as I tell people, this is not a one-off where you learn this in one teaching and sit down and read it. This is years and years of studying God's word. Precept upon precept, line upon line. 
Exodus 4, 29 through 31 says, Then Moses and Aaron went into Egypt and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron said all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then Moses performed the signs given to him by God before the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the Israelites and that he had looked with compassion on their suffering, then they bowed their heads in worship. That's very important now. Go back and look at that and study that. Because that was the gospel being preached to them. They believed that. They heard that. Hebrews 4 and 2 clarifies this, and that's why I gave you that. Hebrews 3 through... Uh, I get, I, it's in the notes. Uh, Hebrews three sixteen through 4 and 2. But Hebrews... 4 and 2 clarifies that that was the gospel preached unto them, the signs and miracles. He says, this clarifies this, that they heard the gospel as it applied to them. Just like I told you, restoration to the land was redemption to them, just as us being redeemed now by the blood of Jesus Christ and bought back and reconciled unto God. Them being restored to the land was redemption from captivity, just as salvation is redemption unto us. It says in Hebrews 4 and 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So those that seen these signs and miracles that God had spoke to Moses, that God had did this to Moses, some seen it and believed, but it was of no profit to them because it wasn't mixed with faith. And that's why I said seeing and reading the word of God today is wonderful, it's good. But the hearing of the hearing of the word of God brings about faith, faith coming by hearing, hearing the word of God. And that's why we must speak the word of God because you are established by the gospel. He had given us power to become sons of God. That was the title of the sermon the other day. The ability to become the sons of God. Those that received him and believed upon Jesus Christ. To them he gave the power to become the sons of God. That ability, that's by walking and believing in his word. Continuing in his word. The Amplified reads, for indeed, we have had the good news of the salvation preached unto us, that God was going to deliver us by these ten plagues and miracles. He was going to deliver us from bondage in Egypt and take us to the promised land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, just like that which preached to them, and only two believed that. Well, the gospel is preached today. Today is the day of salvation. And when you hear this preach, harden not your heart. It says, just as the Israelites also received the good news of the promised land came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard it. They would be freed from slavery and be taken to a land of their forefathers, Abraham, which was given to them. And some got along the way just as today. They missed the leeks and the garlic and the fleshly things, the melons and things, and they wanted to go back. 
people would rather be in bondage than to serve God. Cyrus set the Israelites free, which was a type of Christ. Cyrus came in and told anybody that wanted to go back and worship and build the temple and worship their gods. Only a remnant went back. The majority, millions upon millions, stayed in Babylon because they had got wealthy in Babylon. They had got accustomed to Babylon, which is a type of the world. People have been gotten accustomed to the world and the things of the world. They are Laodicean now. They are not striving and pressing to seek the Lord. They think they have need of nothing, not realizing that they're blind and naked. So we will stop there for this afternoon because the next place we want to go is being economic slaves. And that's what a lot of people are economically. We work in two jobs. The pandemic helped free some of them. They're wondering where all of the employees or where all the workers have went. Some people realize as they prayed and the pandemic achieved working two or three jobs that they were no better off than they are working one or two jobs that they needed to get rid of some of their stuff because they was missing out on life. They stayed around. They were able to see their children and their wives and things and able to enjoy themselves. And so all calamity, God creates calamities sometimes to draw us to himself. Persecution brought about some of the great effects for the church and we now see that sometimes God brings calamity in our lives, but it brings about, it gives birth to better things. And so we should be shining that light, knowing those that resent us and hate that light. If God, God had called them, one day they're going to be thankful and come and show you their appreciation. Uh, you may not ever see it. And that's what I say but your laboring for the Lord is not in vain. And then sometimes those are not to learn. Some won't learn. You remember I said, I don't know the deal with Job's children or whatever, but they were gone. But he gave Job more children and he gave him more room or place to grow. He doubled everything Job had. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord,